Every great offense has one thing in common. They're dominant in the trenches. So how will the O-Block fare this year for the Utah Utes? You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Lockdown News Podcast. I'm your host, JT Wistersill. Thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We're continuing with our positional previews on the offensive side of the ball this week, and we are going to talk about the trenches where the dirty work gets done, the offensive line, and who better to bring on than to talk about these beautiful beasts of men than Brian Brown. Brian, how's it going? Just a fellow beast showing up to defend and uh... – uh, stand for his his younger, more youth, more uh, energetic, more athletic uh, beast brethren for sure. I'm doing uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Other than trying to like tongue twist my way into the beginning in the intro of the show, which uh, you know, for anybody who listened for the first year of it, knows that's a fairly common occurrence. But uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to be here. Excited to be talking about you know, the offensive line, the O block, uh, trench town block, uh, pancake platoon. Uh, brothers, the brethren of girth as my offensive line coach in college used to call us. So, uh, really where I belong. Although I will say this dirty works to some, uh, art to those of us yeah. in, in, in the actual hey, no, trenches. For correcting me. That is so. correct. True art. Hey, best athletes on the field, right? Uh, listen, <laughs> under oath, mm. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think the offensive line and the O block in particular at Utah is extremely athletic. There are a lot of guys up front that, you know, this is part of the evolution of the program is is we're starting to see all those, you know, all those recruiting cycles starting to come together where Utah's finally getting the development that they were expecting from a lot of younger guys and and now we're starting to see it show up on the field. 100%. And this is a fun group and it's going to be a fun episode. I'm a former offensive lineman myself. So let's get right into it. Talking about the leader of the O block, who I actually spoke to the other day being Braden Daniels and Braden even called it. He, he calls it the O block himself as well. So always great when those nicknames kind of pick up steam as well inside the locker room. But when you talk about Braden Daniels, talking about a guy who came over from Texas in total 35 career games played 29 starts had the 18 at left guard 11 at right tackle and now makes the switch over to left tackle versatility is the name of the game for Braden really one of the most complete offensive linemen not just in the Pac-12 but I really feel like the country he's a guy who just gets it done great in pass protection gets it done in the run game as well and is going to do a phenomenal job as the leader of this Utah offensive line this season Brian when talking about Braden Daniels what stands out to you the most uh dedication uh it's such a it's such an easy thing to say but he is an incredibly hard worker and he's really dedicated himself to his craft um he also brings a lot of experience to the table but it's just really it's it's who he is his attitude his mindset his approach you know he is uh worked so hard to really develop himself and 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 you talked about his versatility you know in in theory he's undersized for his position whatever position he's playing right you know typically we think about these big thick you know girthy offensive linemen uh you know 300 plus pounds and and Braden is an athlete and and if you talk to Dr. Skyler Main who he did a lot of work with in the offseason who's also worked with Cam Rising Britton Covey we've talked a lot about him 
you know, over at Ute Zone and, and on the Blockcast and other uh, other of my platforms, you know, he says that Braden is one of the strongest, most athletic guys that he's ever worked with for his size, and and that's just because he's worked his tail off. You know, and really dedicated himself to being a phenomenal offensive lineman, to knowing the scheme, knowing where he's supposed to be, uh, and really just protecting, perfecting his technique. And it's allowed Utah to feel comfortable moving him to the left side of the offensive line to become that anchor. And you know, we can talk about uh, measurements and everything like that all we want. The bottom line, Braden gets the job done, and he's done it in in, in a variety of atmospheres against a variety of players in a variety of positions. And I think – you know, that dedication to learning every position, to varying his technique, because you, you know this as well as I do, playing center is very different than playing tackle. And yes. playing guard is even different from both of those as well. What your assignment is, it's not just about the assignment, right? It's it's technical. It's it's how you're stepping. It's it's the way that you're stepping. You know, it's how you're blocking the guy. And everybody just kind of looks at it and is like, yeah, you just block the dude that's in front yeah. of you. And it's like, <laughs> part, excuse me? Oh, yeah. is that all you do? Um, and it's just for him to be able to have that versatility, you know, I, and I don't know if you ever played center, but it's extremely hard to block somebody with a hand between your leg as you're trying to snap. And, and as I'm throwing my snap hand uh, or my off hand up and snapping automatically, cause it just comes out of habit. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's just, he's an incredible and then his leadership too. You know, I'm really excited to watch him showcase that this year. Yeah, I love that you highlighted the leadership aspect at the end as well, but he really is just a stand-up performer. He's been, you know, him and Brant Keithy are the two guys left over from that 2019 season for the youth. So coming this year, fun to see Braden finally get some shine as well. First day of media availability. I was not the only one who was trying to talk to Braden. So now that Nick Ford is kind of gone, he's the guy everyone's looking to, and fun to see him get some shine. I will share a really quick story because you asked if I played center. So I did. I started my senior year of high school at center. I couldn't snap to save my life. So we just made it work for a few weeks. And then when I snapped, there was a, like a crucial like third down and I snapped it right over um, my quarterback's head. And then I got benched and then I moved over to guard. So I joked and say I started at two positions my senior year, but it is like you said, so much tougher than people just make it out to be just in general, shifting positions, knowing what's going on and just all the different hand techniques, alignments, everything is so different depending on where you're starting and, we talked about versatility as a name of game for Braden. I even asked him, I said, do you feel like you could play anywhere if you had to? I mean, of course he's going to stay at left tackle all season. It's the most important spot along the offensive line, protecting Cam's blind side. But he said, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do. And you can tell he's a guy who's willing to do that. And it's a reason after this season, there's going to be a lot of NFL teams interested in his services because he's not just an outstanding player, but an outstanding man as well. So last year yeah. he had the, he last year had the left tackle, uh, right tackle spot man down. This year, he's moving over to left. So who's coming in at right? Jaron Kump is back. Dealt with some injuries a little bit last year, but is healthy now, good to go. And he's a guy who does have nine career starts as well. He's got six at right tackle, three at left tackle as well. Went down with that injury last year, but he's healthy and good to go. And he's another guy I feel good about coming back in because of all those reps last year, Brian. Yeah, and it'll be fascinating to see what happens in, in fall camp because we saw Falcon Kalmatule play extremely well there at the right tackle position in spring ball, and, and Jaron Kump has been the preferred player, but really struggled in the return from injury last year. Just never could – not even last year. I think it was 
um, you know, f- played five games in 2020, right? Like, um, hasn't really played. I think Josh Newman tweeted out that he's played nine games total, um, you know, and so it, he has really struggled to kind of capitalize on that early success, mostly because of injury. And with those big bodies, it takes a lot of time to get back to, you know, really being healthy. And, and the bigger thing was just playing with confidence. And, and you could see it in those early games that he just didn't have any confidence in his body, didn't have any confidence in the things that really make his game operate which is the athleticism the power you know he's got extremely long arms and huge hands and if you don't feel like you're confident in your base and 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 your ability to plant your foot in the in the dirt so to speak i I guess nobody wants me to say rubber tire particle you know chopped up stuff but um if you don't have that kind of confidence it's really hard to play that position we saw that from him last year so i'm curious to see how he competes I think that's one of his strong suits you know everybody loves Jaron Kump because I think it was his freshman year Kyle Whittingham mentioned like he was running with the DBs and the conditioning group and everything like that because he's so fast and that's you know something that you really want with your offensive lineman is you want that explosion you want that 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 ability to have burst and that athleticism but you've got to have everything else you've got to have technique you've got to know your assignment you've got to play with confidence and so will he be able to turn all that raw skill and talent into production on the offensive line and lock down that right tackle spot? I think it's one of the big question marks for the group going forward. If you had to say right now, do you think he will be the starting right tackle versus the Gators in Gainesville, or do you think it will be Falcon? Uh, mm, uh, mm, whew, that's tough. Yeah. That's, that's why they, that's why they follow. Um, I do think that, that, Mm. I have to be careful with my words here. Uh, I think that Falcon should be the starter. I think Jaron likely gets the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what will happen is you'll definitely see some rotation there early on. But the big thing, and I think this is the one area where Coach Winningham and Coach Harding are going to be on the same page no matter what, uh, they need to get that first five set and, and set early and get those guys repping out together. Now, that said, like I don't want you don't want to put – Kump out there if he's not ready and if he's not connecting with the rest of the group and given that Falcon has practiced with all of them through spring I think that just gives him an edge that also being said you want Kump to get reps and and so I think you will see some a little bit of swinging door action with that right tackle position early on yeah I think it's something we saw the rotation last year between Bam Oleseni and Kump and the offensive line was better when Bam got inserted in there so it'll be interesting to see if Jaron can hold down that spot this year hopefully he's able to stay healthy the entire year or if they do end up going with Falcon and he'll end up being the better option so one of the fun competitions to watch for this Utah team is for that right tackle spot probably the most the spot that's the most up in the air I would say personally Brian would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Just because we saw so much good stuff from Paul Miley last year and, yes. and really, you know, the assumption that he's healthy or if he's not, he, again, coach Whittingham giving us nothing other than one player wasn't cleared for camp, right. Yeah. In terms of health. And so if that one player is Paul Miley, we do expect him to eventually show up. Um, but even so, like they had good depth at the position in, in spring. We saw good things from Johnny Maia, who who moved there. Well, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. You know, he had really struggled at guard and then seemed to find a real comfort level at center there. Uh, also saw Satao Laumea move over there and, and take some snaps. And so I, I think wherever they end up, you know, putting 
whoever they end up putting at center, I think they have a lot of confidence in it. But regardless, Paul really set the tone in the middle of the later of the season with the way he, he played at that position. And so I, I don't have as much concern there, uh, oddly enough, which – you know, maybe I should flip that because center is so important in terms of getting the calls out and getting everybody lined up and, and being on the same page. But I I don't, you know, I think right tackle is the one that I'm more worried about because it's so important to set that edge. And, you know, like you said, we saw what happened with the offense when Bam Olseni, uh came in and really started to dominate once he got comfortable. The other big move was that we saw Braden Daniels bump out to right tackle there and suddenly things were so much better. So, yes. you know, it, it, it's a catch-22 in the sense that, like, you know, the center is very important in terms of getting the calls, which you understand this. Like, if if you're not on the same page with protection, you're going slide, and everybody else is going, man, whoops! Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a car crash waiting to happen, you know. Um, and especially if you're not like there to connect on, you know, hand passes or things like that. When we see stunts or mm-hmm. you know twists or anything, and and these are all these fun terms that you and I get that people are like, what's a twist? Is that the thing you get from Costco with the cinnamon yeah. and sugar on it? No. Yeah. Um, although it would it wouldn't make sense to call it a churro. Anyways, uh, the point being that like I think that the center position is in better hands, and that right tackle position is just the one that I have more question marks for because we really we don't know what we're getting from Falcon, and we really haven't seen anything from Jaron Kump yet to make us think like we should be comfortable. Mm-hmm. No, so true. So we feel like I said, feel really good about left tackle. A little less uncertain about right tackle, but sounds like two guys who are still capable of having really good seasons, depending on who wins the job. But time will tell in terms of who does end up winning that job. We're going to talk about the interior offensive line in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, College football, of course, getting back in the swing of things, even golf. And as you guys know, the national media is always low on this Utah team. So head over to Bet Online, check in on some of the game lines, check in on the over-under for win total, see where they got Utah at. The national media is always a little disrespectful to the Utes. So make sure you guys head over to Bet Online and cash in on that. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So looking at the interior of this offensive line, I think the first guy I want to talk to is Satawa Laumea. He's a guy who two-time All-Pac-12 earned second team in 2020, started all 13 games at right guard last year. Just the definition of a solid, stable, steady guard, and I think he's going to have another really good year this year, Brian. Yeah, he's primed for it, and I think uh, you know he's a guy that started basically since a freshman, took over the position. He plays with a lot of aggression. Uh, aggression to me means confidence, and and he okay. has a lot of confidence both in his ability, his knowledge. I think playing in Southern California really boosted him a lot. As I've talked to to people around the program, he came in early and knew that knew the the basics and the the technique of the position, and and was really invested in in that kind of thing. And I think maybe caught some of the other freshmen off guard with how much he knew. And because of that, he's actually turned into a bit of a leader as well, helping coach other guys, helping teach other guys. And so his development was way ahead of things. And and that's why he's able to step in and play the way that he is now. Um, He's, he's at a guard position. So I think um, if I'm being completely and totally honest, there's only so much that he'll really be able to um, show us. You know, yeah. um, in in terms of like actual stuff that we're seeing all the time, but uh, 
he has to be a favorite to be one of the top linemen, not only in the Pac-12, but also on the team. And, um, you know, I think his versatility, I think playing center in the spring helped him a lot, both as a development in, in terms of understanding the other positions on the field, uh, but also in giving him something to engage in. And that's something that I think we saw a lot with Nick Ford, where he was playing the tackle position, he looked bored. Um, and that's, you know, that, that not not my just an observation, you know, I'm not out trying to tell people that like Nick was, you know, not a good football player or or not taking things seriously, but just that engagement is huge with these guys because especially a guy like Satawa where he's, he's really, you know, ahead of the curve. You've got to give him things to invest in and develop in to keep that interest at at its peak because otherwise you just kind of get a lackadaisical out there. And I, I think that was good to bring him back into it. And also the, the, added benefit of, of having to put him more in a leadership role will really help with his development as well. So true. Yeah. Great. Getting those center reps and getting more of that. One thing that you touched on that was really interesting to me, and we're going to talk about Keaton bills in a second as well as you just talked about like what you can show us as a guard. And I think that is a really good point because a lot of times when you do play guard, you're not, there's not as many one-on-one opportunities you're going to see. You're working double teams to the second level. It's a Utah team that loves to zone block, so you're working up that way. And a lot of times, especially when you get a forefront, you're doubling the defensive tackles too. So definitely something where you're not going to get to see him operate one-on-one as much as, say, you have your tackles have to be able to hold up in pass protection one-on-one. Your guards, not as much. And Satawa is very capable of doing that, but – he won't have to as much, which is nice. So Satawa got the left side man down. On the right side, you got Keaton Bills over there. He's a guy who started left guard in eight games last year, came in, played really strong. He also started four games at left guard in 2020 as well. So you mentioned you talked about the shift in the offensive line when Braden was moved out to right tackle. Bills, the guy who kind of came in, and he was another reason the offensive line really took off last year, just really solid and steady. Just another guy who doesn't really get beaten pass protection and does his job in the run game as well. So between Satow and Keaton Bills, especially Brian, I do I just feel comfortable with the way the guard spots look for Utah. Yeah, and, and I think you're you're throwing two very experienced guys into that, you know, uh that position, that group, that interior, um, both guys that have really proven themselves and, and had to fight through competition in order to get to those roles, right? Uh, different players, I think, in terms of like uh, how they're built. You know, Satawa is a little bit more athletic, moves a little bit better. Keaton is is more of a much more of a power player. His ability to just get movement and just push and drive, you know, especially one on one, which people do, do not understand how difficult that is. Like everybody just says, "We'll just line him up and block him." Like okay, like the dude across from me is not three hundred twenty pounds and trying to push back. That's super easy, you know. I don't know how many people are out there trying to push cars and call it super easy, but that's essentially the the the. You know, the response that yes. we get every time you want a short yardage situation. And that's the beauty of Keaton Bills is he does get that movement. Um, you know, the curiosity with him is can he continue to develop into a player that can move around a little bit? You know, because we've seen Utah really want to focus on some of that power action run game with with counter tray and, and QB counter and um the power game, you know, and, and, and especially with a guy like Tavion Thomas where he can get downhill and if you open up a hole for him nicely, he can really do some things. That's, you know, that's really a, a piece of the offense that you want to get going. And so, you know, will Keaton continue to develop and, and can he build to that with that big, thick, lower half that he has? Um, you know, we've seen him really develop in his pass protection like you talked about and his ability to clean the pocket, meaning go around, help other guys, knock dudes to the ground and and do that kind of thing is is really, uh, really helped Utah a ton. And, and 
know, the biggest thing is just his experience. He knows the offense, and he's coming back with a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, sets, uh, plays. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Design, you know, having having yes. learned all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it, the bottom line with this group is that it's experience across the board, you know, and, and there's a lot of experience. And even with Paul Miley, if, if he does end up the starter, and, and I mean, I, I just went and looked back through all the pictures that they sent out, and there's a multiple pictures of Paul in there practicing. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that they, yeah. if, they're, if the Utah Athletic Department is releasing those pictures that we're okay to talk about it, um, yeah. You know, like he brings a lot of experience to the table and and that's a really great thing for this offense. Yes, such a great thing. And one thing you talked about was just cleaning stuff up. I want to talk about that a little bit more. There's nothing better than when, let's say you're going against maybe a three-man three front or they're bringing a blitz from another side and you're uncovered as a guard and you can just come over while, let's say, the defensive end and tack, offensive tackle are doing battle and you can just come over and completely blindside a defensive lineman and absolutely delete him. One of the best joys you can have and it's something Keaton Bills does very well. So one guy remaining in this interior offensive line group we haven't touched on yet. You've brought him up a few times, but Paul Miley, this is a guy I was extremely high on. I thought he came in and did a fantastic job whenever Nick Ford went down, or excuse me, whenever Keaton Bills went down and Nick Ford would slide over to right guard. Miley just, he got it done. I mean, just talked about in the run game, extremely effective, moving guys from point A to point B, and even in pass protection, really solid. I feel like he can have just as good a season as Nick Ford had last year. I am extremely high on Paul Miley. Brian, do you share that sentiment? I do. Uh, you know, I think what he brought was a lot of stability and, and really uh, execution to the position. And with the experience that we talk about and all the talent that you have up front for Utah, um, you know, he's a guy that I really have high, high hopes and high expectations can be that leader. Now he is undersized, but he does fight hard. And I think with, you know, you talked about it a lot, like we, with the scheme that Utah runs, you're going to help your center a ton. You know, guards are either going big on big, whether it's play side against a, an even front and, and big on big means one-on-one. Um, as I slip into my old school, you know, offensive lineman jargon, um, or you're going to be head up on a nose and, and you're going to be getting some help from your guards. But that's the beauty of Paul is that he is being that he is undersized. He can fit underneath a lot of those defensive tackles. He's extremely quick. He is talented at snapping. You know, you mentioned that it's, it's, that's a skill that you really have to develop. And, and some people are just naturally acclimated to it. You and I not built for the snapping life and that's okay. Um, you know, we found our way otherwise and, and yes. I was happy to play guard and, and played a little tackle and whatever. Paul is the center. That's where he's going to be. That's yes. where you want him to be, you know, is, and especially with the way that teams are using fronts and I expect teams to come after him hard, uh, but you're going to see his guard step up and really fight for him. And, and I think we saw last year that, that Paul's ability to just be a fighter and be in position, not always getting movement necessarily, but just being almost like a shield is all that Utah really needs when you have so much depth back there at running back and also such an incredibly gifted, wonderful, talented quarterback who moves. I don't want to say like a gazelle, but he just moves like almost like an angel back there in the pocket. Like he's floating, like, but some like supercharged extra twitchy angel. You know, I don't know what angel that'll be, but, uh, angel cam rising, angel rising. So, (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I love it. And that's actually one last thing we can touch on before we just move off the starting group of this offensive line is all these guys have such a good rapport with Cam. And a huge part of that is Cam being involved with these guys. You can tell he cares about his offensive linemen, talks with them, makes a point because they're at the end of the day. They're the ones who protect him from getting killed out there. But it is still cool. Cam, one of the best leaders Coach Witt has ever coached. He talked about that. And that is no exception to the offensive line as well, where their chemistry has paid off in big dividends. One thing we've talked about throughout this entire podcast is how depth was crucial on last year's Utah team. Bam Olaseni came in, Paul Miley coming in, Keaton Bills come in. A lot of these guys didn't start the very first game of the season, but played really crucial roles. You never know what's going to happen with injuries. So we're going to talk about some of the guys and more of the depth of this Utah offensive line in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about intercap lending. There is a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. Intercap gets deals done. Quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is why Locked On's personal loan officer, Steve Carter, has delivered hundreds of Locked On listeners. So that's why he's delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including Locked On's founder, David Locke. And let's be honest, if Steve can help keep David on track through the entire process, Steve can help anyone. And though Intercap is new to the Locked On Utes podcast, it's not new to Inter- Intercap is not new to assisting customers with all their mortgage needs. Since 1978, they've had 43 years of experience, and Steve Carter's been providing Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. NMLS number 190465. So back to this Utah offensive line. This is a group I feel really good about this this starting group as a unit, Brian. You got everyone along this offensive line has started at least four games. The one who started four games being Miley, but everyone else outside of that has had a lot more starts than that too. So I feel really good about this five. And before we mention talk about the depth, I just want to ask you this. Do you think this is the best offensive line in the Pac 12? Ooh, um, I think there's personally. I think there's one big competition to it. I, I'd be curious to hear which one you think is the, is the big comp. Okay, Oregon. yeah, I, I would say it's either got to be Oregon or UCLA. UCLA sure. only like they are replacing some some big shoes with Sean Ryan departing at the left tackle position, but. Um, I think, yeah, it is, um, and, and that's one of those things where it's just you know you try. Just look at the the preseason All Pac-12 poll, right? Like, like there were, I believe Satow was on there. I believe Braden was on there. Um, you know, if people had seen Paul Miley for the full year, I think he might have been either yes. a first or a second okay. teamer as well. Um, you know, so you look at that, like you've got two or five, and the positions locked down, and 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 really, like Utah should be able to get another one on, you know, the two, the the top two first and second teams. Um, but like, just. They're, they're returning a ton of experience. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of depth to this position. You know, so I, I just – this group as a whole, if I'm comparing it across the Pac-12, is by rankings in terms of recruiting, not the best, but without a doubt as, as they've developed and, and brought guys in under what I consider to be one of the best offensive line coaches in the country and, and definitely in the Pac-12 and Jim Harding, they've moved that room right up there. And then credit goes to Harding, but credit also goes to those guys who are out there every single day working hard to do that. So – 
100%. And honestly, that's how – look at Utah. Yes, Utah is starting to get re- recruiting classes in. But if you just look in general, developing talent and betting on high-character guys is how they've been able to become this powerhouse of a program that they've transformed themselves into. They've never gotten as high as recruits as in Oregon or UCLA, USC, some of those schools. But they get the re- recruit the right guys in there. And because of that, it's paid huge dividends all across their roster, specifically the offensive line. And as you mentioned, I think when you're comparing R5 versus Oregon's 5, I think it's really close. I think you might give Oregon a slight edge, but I'll say this. When you factor in the depth that Utah has, I'm going to take Utah's offensive line in that scenario. And speaking of that depth, Brian, who are some of the guys? You mentioned Falcon already, but who are some of the other guys you think if we see an injury or if a guy's just struggling a little bit, we could see step in and help out the O block this year? Yeah, I had to like hold back just yelling out Michael Mokovici because yeah. I think he's the guy that yes. stands out the most. And and <clears throat> listen, we talked about Jaron Kump a lot. We've talked about uh, a lot of different things in terms of uh, uh, positions, right? Yep. And, and, and somehow didn't get through any of that without talking about how Moko really, you know, kind of established himself as a, a dude who can compete on this, uh-huh. this line and push some guys, sure. you know, we, we kind of, it, it's hard to really take a guy out of a starting lineup, especially when they've done a good job. And that'll be the fascinating part about it is like Keaton Bills is going to have his hands full. Paul Miley's is going to have his hands full. We talked about Falcon and Jaron and then the competition going on there. But Moko is that dude that you point at and, and say, man, like this guy has, a lot of potential. We saw him step into the role uh, in the second half there at Colorado and be absolutely dominant. You know, he is an explosive athlete, very strong, powerful upper body. And as he learns and develops the technique, it's just going to be really, really fascinating to see what happens with that position. And I think it just goes back to what Kyle Whittingham was saying. Like they've got to get that front solidified because they need to know who they're, I, I mean, I know they're confident in having eight to 10 guys and it's, you know, we, like we've kind of been through the the top eight pretty pretty easily, um, but it's you know those those positions like for guys like Keaton Bills and Paul Miley who are going to have to hold guys off, they got to buckle down and really fight. Or Falcon Kamatule if if you know comes the the one or or vice versa, right? Like those are the those are the fights that we have to that have to be settled, and I think it's I want to say it's a good problem, right? Because it means that you have depth. But if you have somebody that's pushing your starter that's that good, um, it's tough because you yeah. really like it becomes a real decision about culture and everything like that when it comes down to it. And how much loyalty do you have to the guys who have done a great job but just maybe aren't good enough? You make such a good point. It's one of those things where, like, every series, if a guy has two bad series in a row, is it like, man, should we put Mokafisi in? Like, that's but that's also you got to give your guy some trust if you roll with him as the starting in that starting spot as well. So such an interesting thing to see how this coaching staff balances. And before we get you out of here, Brian, one last question for you. And with something I didn't really think about a ton going into this, but just hearing you talk about Jim Harding as well. He's a guy that deserves to be mentioned and talked about for the job he's done with this offensive line group, developing them and then just also coaching them. He always gets these group of guys to come together and play together. And they were unbelievable last year and they're going to have a chance to have another great season. So why do you think Jim Harding is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country? Uh, it, it's just his coaching style. And I think, you know, he is, he's an incredible teacher. He cares, um, so much about his players and he invests so much belief and faith in these guys and their development. And I think it really is, you know, a, a unique thing. He is uh, very businesslike 
uh, that there's not a lot of like funny jokes or, you know, most of the time we think of offensive linemen being these very jovial, clever, you know, um, not necessarily charismatic. I call, I call them us fat charming, you know, like where we have like a lot of like Matt Foley type jokes. Um, but he, he is very by the book, very, you know, very standard, um, you know, doesn't waste time or words or anything yes. like that. But he cares so much about that group, and it's evident from guys who have played before all the way down. They all feel the same way. They all uh, defend Jim, fight for him, you know, love him, and uh, he's really found a home with this kind of eclectic group of offensive linemen out here in the West Coast that you know really blend a variety of, of personality types. You know, Braden Daniels comes from the Midwest. Uh, Stal Omea is a, a California kid. Uh, same with Maris Talova, who who departed. But you know, Jaron comes a local kid. But there's a, a great mix of backgrounds and, and personality types. You know, I think um, the the relationship he had with Bama Lasseni, who was you know from London, um, you know, and, and seeing their little pinkies up celebration uh, yes. uh, during the Pac-12 championship game was was really cool. Mm-hmm. But I think that really is the difference maker with Jim is is his care factor. Anybody can come up with drills, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you and I probably did a lot of the same drills. It's, it's not a huge difference. What it is is it's about getting those guys to buy into you and getting those those players to work hard for you. And Jim Harding does an excellent job of developing those guys. So true. I mean, hey, we've all hit the slide, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not like somebody's like creating new sleds or like you got the welder yeah. out there modifying the thing, like chopping one up and being like, yeah. Hey, we're going to readjust this. And no, they yeah. all come from Rogers in the same dimensions. Like, okay, maybe you've got a different color or maybe some teams will yeah. flip the bags upside down, but like, there's not a lot of variety to that. There's not a lot of variety to scheme, but it's, you know, how engaged can you keep those guys throughout practice? How much can you push? How much can you motivate them? And how much do you get them to buy into what you're selling? In terms of equipment and a lot of that stuff, you talked about the playing field is level, so it really does come down to the man leading your group. And Utah is in great hands with Jim Harding, just like we are always in great hands whenever you stop by the pod, Brian. You guys can look him up at Twitter, at Brown Bear SLC. Also, Brian, just talk about some of the things you got coming up. Yeah, things are busy. Like uh, I don't know if we're officially breaking news or anything yet, but you and I have some fun stuff that's upcoming. Yes. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll save that surprise for another point, but uh, – Biggest thing, go to utahblockcast.com, subscribe to our newsletter. So we're building out the podcast a little bit more. That's been kind of my bread and butter, but you'll also find me over at Ute Zone. Uh, I'll be up at practice as much as possible. I've been traveling around, trying to see as many high school teams in the state as possible. Um, I'm going to continue that throughout the fall. And then uh, just, you know, lots and lots of Utah, Utah football coverage for sure. Fall can be one of the best times of the year. And, hey, Brian's – I'm not going to save it for later. Me and Brian are going to be calling football games together this fall. So if you guys love high school football, make sure you guys check out KSL Sports Rewind, where me and Brian will be on the call together. So looking forward to getting in after it, Brian. Thank you for stopping by the pod again. Absolutely excited to get in, uh, starting listing some of our brethren in the pancake, pancake platoon this fall. And uh, pancake thank platoon. you so much for having me on, man. It's it's a blast to always talk about this kind of stuff with you and love what you've done with the pod. You're doing a killer job. And, uh, you know, I, I I, I knew it was bound to happen that someone would would overtake the throne, but uh, I'm glad it was somebody that's uh, you know as 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 willing to work hard and 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 do a great job as you, and also as you know deserving of the opportunity. Well, I really appreciate that, Brian, and you're a huge reason I'm even here anyway. So thank you for being a great mentor as well. Just because I'm tall and eat a lot, <laughs> let's 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 not let's not get out of control with this. Oh, for sure. 
you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we would like to recommend for you guys to check out Locked On Pac-12, where host Spencer McLaughlin will take you around the conference in 30 minutes with other Locked On hosts coming on as well. Lots of conference previews, realignment talk. Make sure you guys head over to Locked On Pac-12 to check it out now. He's Brian Brown. I'm JT Wistersill. Make sure you guys follow the show at Locked On Utes and have a great rest of your day.